with Jen Brooks. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen, learn, and gain perspective about life through the lens of high school sports. The hope is that whether you are in the sports world or not, you will enjoy the conversation. After all, we become the stories we listen to. Thank you all for joining me today. My guest today has years of experience and a ton of wisdom and great stories to tell. Today I'm chatting with Marty O'Hearn, retired athletic director and currently the executive director of the Missouri Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association, otherwise known as the MIAAA. Marty, thanks so much for taking the time out to chat with me today. Glad to be here. Awesome. So let's get started with you sharing with us what your resume looks like. Uh, it's really a hodgepodge because I should ripped it around a little bit at the beginning of my career. Uh, I've been in high school, I've been coaching in colleges, uh, on small college level, sure. and I've done a bunch of recruiting at the small college level at very various times throughout my career until I finally got back to St. Louis and got to do a real teaching job and coaching. So I've been in Nebraska for a while at Peru State, which is a small college on East, right on the river. So I uh, finally got back here, and that's where I've been since, uh, I don't know, about 30, 30 some years now. So Okay. Yeah. Now, when I first started in athletic directing, this was 26 years ago, you were at Eureka? Uh, Where'd you I finish? U City. U City, okay. Then, and then I went okay. to Eureka from there. Yeah. Okay. I started uh, my high school career with coaching okay. in the St. Louis area. I right. should say started my okay. career uh, at Maplewood Richmond Heights. Okay. I was the uh, head girls basketball coach, head girls track coach, and assistant football coach. Very nice. At those levels. So I've had a lot of experience with, um, you know, girls sports. Yeah. So what inspired you to, to be a coach? Why did you want to be a coach? Well, you know, when I first started out, my dad was a teacher, first of all, and my aunt was a teacher. Of course, uh, they're all retired. <laughs> they're much older than me. But uh, at first, my dad was trying to convince me not to be a teacher, and I was going to something else in college, and it just didn't hold my interest, and I kept getting dragged back to wanting to stay in athletics somehow, uh, to teach and to coach. So I eventually switched over to physical education and history, and uh, from there, you know, went on and finally got some jobs <laughs> in my actual field. But I did take some time off in between there to go get my master's at Northwest Missouri State Secondary Administration. Okay. So I have served as an assistant principal a couple of times, and of course at Eureka I was assistant principal slash activities director. Sure, right, yeah. right, right. So what motivated you to move from coaching to being an athletic director? Well, my dad was an athletic director also. So my I dad guess, was too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I guess kind of I kind of thought that was a uh, a good way to get to know everybody, all the kids that you weren't just socked in. And I think stupidly, I thought that I would spend less time <laughs> I was coaching. <laughs> I found that out not to be true. Mm -hmm. But I really liked the job, and so I continued in that. So. Okay, very good. So you're fortunate enough these days to be retired. What are you seeing as the biggest change in high school sports from when you were sitting behind the desk until now? Well, I'm certainly not in as much touch with the daily routines, but I know that we're having a lot of problems with, or not problems, but a new problem that's coming up again is the uh, homeschool kids, you know, what we're trying to do with them and, and trying to keep away from lawsuits and things like that. Uh, obviously, shortages of coaches, qualified coaches, and in-building coaches especially is a real tough, although that was starting 
back when I was still AD, and it's, I think it's just gotten worse, hasn't gotten really any better. And uh, I also think that uh, I'm not a big proponent of specialization for kids. I think they should play a minimum of two, if not three sports or something to that level. Uh, and that seems to be the big thing, at least around the St. Louis area, especially in some sports like baseball and soccer, you know, with the club teams and that kind of stuff. And that uh, more of these kids are going out for club teams rather than going out for their high school sports. And I, I think that really hurts them because they don't get the full high school experience by being on a club sport instead of the high school team. So, you know, as athletic directors, we sit here and we talk about how hard our job is. Um, but there are certainly things that we have available to us that weren't available to you, you when you first started. So what advantages do you see that we have, be it technology or, you know, what you, it's not, it's, it's the job a little bit easier and yeah. give me an example of why. Well, when I first started making the schedule was pen and paper, printed out some kind of a little sheet on a mimeograph thing or something like that, punched holes and got a binder and started writing in the dates and, and your schedules. Now, of course, and I was one of the first to go to this. Is, I don't know, it was old, old software company, uh, Missouri AD 2.0. Yep. Started with that and worked with that guy to get some improvements, which was real good. And then, of course, that field has expanded greatly. I mean, now you can get messages out to everybody you know, via Twitter and Facebook and everything else. It's much easier than in our day where you had to actually call everybody, mm -hmm. you know, and try and get keep the word around them. Right, right. What would you tell um, new athletic director, somebody who says to you, I want to be an athletic director, what was, what wisdom would you share with them? You sure you don't want to sell the insurance? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, to me, the big thing is to make sure that you're loyal to your coaches and your kids and that you're just going to have to find some way to deal with parents. Uh, you're going to have some great parents that will back you and do everything you want, and then you're going to have those that you have to deal with, you know, that just are, well, a pain, if nothing else, but a nice thing is. You've got to stay loyal to your coaches, though, and not sell them out. If you lose your coaches, you will be ineffective as an athletic director. If your coaches think you're, you're standing up for them, now that's not to say that if they do something wrong, you can't get on your case. But, you know, if you have to do a disciplinary thing or a, a write-up or evaluation at the end of the year, yes, you're going to have to do that sometimes, but you don't want to be the kind of guy who sells out to the, to the uh, superintendent and the school board because they're mad at some coach when the coach has done nothing but good things for you. And I think that's really one of your most important things. And then, of course, along with that is to make sure the kids are being treated fairly. Uh, and I don't necessarily mean by the coach. But if you have rules that are set forth, either an athletic code or in sport code, you have to make sure that the coaches are following that and that it's treated equally across the board, that the superstar is not going to be treated better than the poor kid who's third string on the bench. Everybody has to follow the same rules. Everybody should be enforced the same. That's great wisdom. I love that. I love that. You are currently the executive director of the MIAAA. Can you explain for us your role and what inspired you to stay active in high school sports even after retirement? Well, as an executive director, my job in this state, every state, not every state, about 40 to 42 states have executive directors now, with some probably going to add them in the next couple of years. And everybody's a little different. Some of them 
executive director is like the only guy that does everything. He's the treasurer, he's the membership guy, he runs the conference, blah, blah, blah. When we just developed this position, I'm the first executive director of the service ever had. Okay. So I'm the original one. Okay, so you're the OG. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't want it like that. Not because of the work it would entail for me, but I believe in delegating authority. So we wanted to keep the president, the vice president, the treasurer, the secretary. I have taken over membership only because it's all computerized, it's online registration. And I used to work for the people that I want registered, which is where we go through. Um, and so that's one of my jobs. The other one that's a real big job is uh, getting uh, corporate sponsorships, which we've been lucky enough to get about $25,000 worth of corporate sponsorships in the last couple of years. Oh, that's fantastic. Very, very, not all cash, sometimes it's in time. Sure. But uh, that is my two biggest things. And then my third thing is to... Uh, basically oversee the entire thing to make sure we're not going off on some tangent where we shouldn't be going. I've written the constitu or rewritten the Constitution a couple of times already, and I'm kind of, I guess, the person they go to and say, is this in the Constitution, or well, how are we supposed to do this? Or I don't work, find it better than, than most of it. So I, that, and uh, been trying to develop any kind of programs, like the mentoring program was one of my deals that I got the guys to push into, and you're great. doing that a great job at that right now. So it's kind of any of those kind of things. Okay. So what is your vision for the MIAAA in five years? Where do you hope to see this organization? Well, I would like to I would like to find some way to get 100% membership. Uh, things that we're trying to do now is to inform superintendents and principals about the importance of the athletic director's job. Uh, they don't know. You know, at one time in my career, I had a superintendent tell me, I don't give a darn what you do. I just don't want to hear about it. I don't want to deal with it. They want nothing to do with us. So we were left to run free for a while, pretty much. And things were working really good. Then the superintendents got involved again. It's been a little bit different around here since I left. Uh, but, uh, you know, that uh, trying to get something out there so that these guys know what we do realize the importance of a good athletic director and support them. Uh, another thing we're trying to also look at here in the near future, as you know, we've got a five-year plan that we're about two years into right now. And we've got some things done already, such as registration for a dual membership and dual membership online with the mission registration. And we have got record numbers, I think, already. And we haven't even got the retired guys and some of the other people to sign up yet. Uh, our position as athletic director or activities director is the only position probably in the entire school district that doesn't have some kind of specific Jesse title and requirements. So we get everybody. We have guys come in that are fresh out of college, 22 years old, and they can be athletic director. That was me 26 years yeah. ago. And, you know, they haven't even coached. And you got to coach. I coach several sports, and that's why I felt I could be a decent AD because I had little knowledge of everything. You know, to field hockey and, <laughs> and lacrosse came in. <laughs> that was a big advice state where I was from Wisconsin originally. Didn't have anything at that point in time. But you know, I've done a little bit of everything, and so I, for somebody to just come in. Um, in fact, this one guy I'm thinking of a couple of years ago. He comes in and he was really fired up to be an AD, and he was talking to me, and he was. 
talking to the mentorship coordinator at the time. I called him up and talked to him, and he'd be all right. Then he found out what ADs have to do. And he was a young guy with a wife and a kid, and he finally just said, this, I, I can't afford this much time. He quit in the first month of the job. Oh, no. You know, so this is what we're trying to prevent. Superintendents and principals, human resources in some cases at the bigger school districts for sure, need to understand that this is a specialized job, that there should be some minimal requirements for it. Now, some states say you have to have a CAA to be an AD. You can be an AD and they give you three or four years to get your CAA. But by that time, you have to have a CAA or you can no longer be the athletic director. Hawaii and I think Connecticut are two that have it for sure. And a couple other ones are looking at We're kind of looking at that. We're not sure how we're going to approach that yet. Uh, we will probably have to go through DESI or whatever they like to call themselves now. Uh, you know, and it's possible we might have to go through our state representatives to get something passed. That. And that's not a short, short thing to do. That'll take probably three, four, five, six years, who knows, just depending on what kind of resistance we'll make. Yeah, you know, we're not looking to say that you've got to have a master's degree necessarily, but you should have four or five years of coaching, for instance, and be taking these classes and working towards a CAA. Yeah. You know, that's that's our specialist degree. Obviously, you can go on and be a CMAA, which is a little higher, but at least the minimum. I think those classes will fill in what you don't get through experience. I agree 100% on that. Those classes, I learned so much. Those were fantastic. Yeah. Right? So for people who are listening who are not members of the MIAAA, why would you tell them? Why, why should they be a member? Well, first of all, I think if you're serious about your profession, you should always belong to one of their organizations. And we, of course, have one of the best of these professional organizations in the entire world, in the MIAAA. Secondly, Something very simple, liability insurance. It, NIAAA gives you basically between a million and two million, depending on what your level is, I believe. If you get sued, you've got some, you know, you've got some money there to get a lawyer and, and be protected. And then of course, access to LTI classes or LTC. These will help you out. If you have a CAA and you get called in because of something that happened at your school that you get sued for, and you can show that you take classes and you prepare yourself, and if whatever this thing happened, it wasn't through your negligence, and you can prove that because here's what you've learned and what you've done over the years, that will help you out right there. Yep. And then the interaction between members from various places of this throughout the nation. I mean, I've made a lot of friends being at the NIAAA, especially going to this conference and ranks, you know, committees there and that type of thing. Uh, you run into a wealth of information. Believe it or not, states are different. They all have a different problem, but they all got the same ones too. And how they handle it sometimes is really good. So that interaction, and of course, at our conference this spring, we have time for that interaction. Yeah, so talk to me about the state conference. What exciting yeah. things and new things do we have planned? Uh, I don't know if it, there's much new. Uh, we have a really good speaker coming in this year, Doug Kilgore. Okay. And he used to be the secretary for the NIAAA. And he's real, uh, I've heard him speak before at one of my other conferences. He's really good. And I think people really like him. Uh, and he's got a humorous, and kind of funny, you know, so it's not a dry <laughs> pitch, you know, it's not psychology necessarily, that type of thing. So that's really good. Uh, of course, obviously, uh, 
Pantera is now part of Greenville. Right. <laughs> other, right. Other things to, it's a little nicer these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we've got the, this whole thing is what we've done in the last couple of years that seems to work well is it's splitting up into roundtable discussions. Uh, putting the class three people with the class three people, five and six together, or, you know, one and two together, or something like that. And uh, they can talk about a problem they've got and who else has got that problem. And maybe two or three other guys should say, I have the same problem, here's how we handle it. That's the type of thing you can really get at these professional meetings. Not to mention the possibility to take LTI classes while you're there. There's other workshops based on specific things like, uh, oh, I don't have the final one really completed quite yet, but, you know, we always have something on uh, the use of uh, uh, technology. technology. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, you know, technology things, Mm -hmm. uh, forming uh, student body, sports presidents or Mm -hmm. organizations itself, even running uh, the the parent clubs and boosters and things like Mm -hmm. that. So you've got to, you have a bunch of different choices to see what you like. Yeah. And for those 80s that may be listening that are older and they get a retirement, we do always have a retirement guy session. I think it's on Monday this year where uh, the PSRS guys come in, public school retirement system guys come in to talk about the state of the public retirement system. So okay. we got something a little bit for everybody. Okay, very good. You know, so speaking of retirement, you know, we're seeing so much turnover these days, um, but it's not really from retirement. It's because the job is hard. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts? How can we support each other better, peer to peer, and what can we do to get more women involved? Well, I think as far as our big plan to try and do that, and I think I don't know what you've done this year, but we've been close to 100 new ADs every year. Right, and we're pushing 200, I, I think. Now right. it's 150 yeah. plus. 150 plus, and yeah. that's ridiculous. Right. Now a lot of that is because the real small schools, the one A schools don't really have athletic directors. They have a principal or an assistant principal who says he's athletic director, but he's really not more as a football coach who's teaching and coaching, and they don't have that kind of time. I mean, that's just, it, it's tough to do. So what we're trying to do is with your program, the mentorship program, is to get a hold of these people and have a sounding board for them to help them out, try and find them some kind of a um, mentor within their district, not school district, but their right. area, district mm-hmm. areas. Uh, so that they've got somebody to help them out, so that they're just not floundering around. First AD job I got, I walked in and there were no schedules. And I walked in on July 1st and there wasn't scheduled for any fall sport. Luckily, I found a guy, Gerald Lennon, up at Parkway, who was district AD up there before he passed away. And he, uh, I would basically talk to him every morning. About 730, I'd call up, he knew I was calling. Here's what happened today, or how would you handle this, or whatever. And he guided me through it. Without that help, I'd have been lost. So you can't be too proud to not ask for help. I love not that. in this profession. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yep. As far as females, we've been, I think our numbers have really gone up in the, in the female AD. It seems to me that at our conference now, it's it's not 50-50, but it's probably 40-60. We've had a lot of new, young female athletic directors in the last two or three years. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping they're, they're going to stick with it. Definitely. You I know, know. And that's... Uh, and we've done some things. I think didn't you give a workshop a couple of years ago for women ADs? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know that type of thing that we need to keep doing that type of thing. Um, you know, or roundtables just for female athletic directors. You know, I hate to really break them down to be honest with you because we're all athletic directors. We're all in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 
obviously more and more females come in, the better off we are, because that's another pool to, to get out of, not just, right. here's what I got. Here's, here's seven, 17 coaches, all males. Which one of them will be a good AD? No. How about the female coaches? You know, the women coaches. Now you've got a much bigger pool, and you're probably going to be able to get a better individual right. by having more choices. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So now it's time for a little overtime, where I'm going to ask you five rapid-fire questions, and you tell me the first thing that comes to mind. You ready? Uh, okay. <laughs> Describe yourself in three words. Preferably loyal and humble. No. <laughs> Those are good. Those are good. What is better, certificates or experience? Well, experience, but on top of experience, I think you've got to still go out and earn your certificate because that gives you even more experience. I love it. Ask permission or beg forgiveness? Ask permission when you can, but sometimes you just got to go the other way. I hear you. Describe your life in one word. Satisfying. If you had all the money in the world, what would be the first thing you would buy? Anheuser-Busch Brewery. <laughs> <laughs> Marty, thank you so much for chatting with me today, and thank you for your leadership. Well, thanks for having me, Jen. Pleasure to be here. Thank you all for taking time out today and listening to our stories. Until next time, I'm Jen Brooks, giving you permission today and every day to take time for you.